from 88.7 FM WXDU Durham and available via podcast on the World Wide Web. This is Shooting the Bull, your weekly survey of what's happening in the Bull City, brought to you by the voices of the Durham blogosphere. The opinions expressed on this program belong to the individuals expressing them and do not necessarily reflect those of WXDU or Duke University. Good evening, folks. I'm Kevin Davis with BullCityRising.com. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at dependableerection.blogspot.com. Welcome to Shooting the Bull for Thursday, February 26th. It's been an interesting week, Kevin. It has been a very interesting week. You've been, been exercising a, your vision. I, I've been trying to find some vision. Uh, it got it got blurred trying to drive in the sun to, to Raleigh at 8 in the morning the other week, but... Uh, uh, we yeah, this is this is a week to talk about urban issues. We're gonna we're gonna talk at the beginning briefly about this visioning and planning exercise and about uh, more discussion around a high school. And uh, we're blessed this week to be joined by uh, Mel Norton and Bill Kalkoff from Downtown Durham Inc. to talk about a couple of other urban issues: stormwater and uh, neighborhood and downtown revitalization. So I think we've got we've got planning on the brain this week. So what was <clears throat> what was your what was your visioning exercise all about? I saw I saw the brochure for that. I got invited to that a couple of months ago and I just said, you know, visioning exercise, uh, maybe I need to find a place out in the desert and you know, have a harmonic convergence with some of my friends in order to make that happen. But, you know, tell me about it. Fill me in. I, I think some of your old anonymous commenters might uh, might be all up for the desert part. Uh, this was an exercise that the it's urban... Burning man, man. <laughs> this was an exercise that the Urban Land Institute and a group called Triangle Tomorrow put on with a lot of uh, corporate executives, uh, bigwigs, uh, politicos, and uh, regular citizens. They, they, they let some of us in. Uh, the idea, it's, and it's one that's been done in other communities, is to educate citizens on... Uh, growth and development approaches on smart growth, on transit-oriented development, how we move past the automobile, and then uh, have you sit down with a map of the region and figure out where, in the Triangle's case, the next 1.2 million residents and 700,000 jobs are going to come in over the next 20 years. And as I, I wrote a much longer version of this on the blog, but to put a long story short, we all sat down from you know, people from everywhere from Granville and Vance County up north to the Sand Hills to Wilson to Burlington and all came up with this grand strategy and scheme for what good growth looked like. And then as soon as we debated who should grow, you know, does Chatham County deserve to grow more than RTP? Does Durham County deserve to grow? Does, does uh, uh, Oxford deserve to grow? We all just grabbed our Lego blocks and we silently started building our own communities as fast as we could and then started to insult other communities. It was, it was a beautiful thing that made me know that I'm part of the failure of regionalism. And and what what will end up happening is that growth will happen wherever it's um, wherever it's the cheapest uh, and and wherever um, people put up the uh, the fewest roadblocks to it. Well, and one of the points I, I ended up debating with a lot of folks at the session was we talked about let's build let's stick to the existing urbanized areas of places like Pittsburgh and Wilson and just build denser there, add more density in these cities. And then as folks talk about bringing new roads out there, bringing new transit lines, it's very obvious that the moment you do that. Uh, you're only one county commission change away from having lots of new single-family home subdivisions going out, just like Chatham County is dealing with now. I, I have to say I'm not sure that I've ever heard the words urban center and Pittsburgh in the same <laughs> sentence before. Man, there was a proposal to add 20,000 jobs to Pittsburgh and, and a transit line to downtown Raleigh. So. You know, I think most people will be happy if they have the same number of jobs that they have now in five years. Given, yeah, we didn't have a negative you know, option on this map. Well, given the way things are going. Hey, I want to um, I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, last week we talked um, briefly at the end of the show about, um, about the discussion about the new high school. And, you know, you and I were both uh, in agreement that the Lakewood um, the Lakewood site had some merits to it. You know, people were talking about maybe building a, um, a retrofitting Lakewood Shopping Center as a, as a high school. 
And after I, after I left the show, I went home and I thought about it a little bit, and I thought about it uh, all day on Friday. And I actually um, I ran into I ran into one of our city council people who was celebrating uh, a significant birthday over the weekend uh, on on Friday night. And you know, the idea just kind of popped out, you know. And I said uh, I said, "What do you think about an environmental sciences magnet high school over in the in the Cornwallis Road or Irwin Irwin Road corridor? You know, take advantage of." proximity to Duke uh, to Duke Forest to the Primate Center to New Hope Creek and and that's you know, when Diane Katati said when did you break into my email account because I suggested this way before you thought about it uh, so is Diane the first because I, I think the, in the email exchange I don't know if she got the environmental education piece okay. but the the curious thing is um, two days after that I got an email um, from the Irwin neighbor list and uh, and and someone proposed almost exactly the same thing and used very similar language to what I had written on my blog on Sunday, and you know we had an email exchange and she was like, oh, I, I'm so sorry for stealing your idea, and it's like, you know, no, 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 it's it's not my idea. It's an idea that clearly was ready to you know to be talked about because multiple people have come up with it at the same time. And I, I'm not you know I'm not proposing this. I don't have any kids in in the school system anymore. I don't really have a dog in the fight, right? Um, but. I think it's an idea that that needs to be on the table, and I think it's an idea that could turn Durham, uh, you know, put put Durham light years ahead of of where it is now and and the surrounding community. And when I googled environmental sciences magnet high school, there's like nothing east of the Mississippi. It's amazing, and it seems to me it's an opportunity for Durham to really get out in front on on an issue like this. And I'd like to see it part of the conversation. And we talked before the show about Durham School of the Arts and what a successful magnet transformation that has been. Um, and it's a you know a school of choice that people are flocking to, even from trying to get in from outside the county. Uh, I think you, you raise a great idea. I should mention that uh, my recollection was wrong. Uh, Councilwoman Katati's idea was around the Lakewood site, as opposed to environmental magnets. So I think you ah, still have right. you still have uh, have uh, have idea I, dibs. I'm not, and, and somebody else even suggested to me an environmental magnet school at the old Kmart on Avondale. Where, um, where, where we were the other day. Now, we were talking stormwater last week with Kathy Baratan uh, from NCSU, and Kathy led a walk uh, around the beaver pond behind, uh, behind the Compare Foods and uh, Kmart Shopping Center off of Avondale Drive. I actually ran into, uh, ran into one of our guests uh, on, on the walk, although we had not previously met, so we didn't you know, know who each other <laughs> We didn't know who we were. Uh, so so we, we, we did the walk and learned a lot about, about stormwater, learned uh, a, a little bit about beavers, uh, and, and a, a lot about that particular location. And it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting thing. I want to bring uh, Melissa Norton uh, from Downtown Durham, Inc., uh, to the microphone now, and uh, you know you can talk about some of the things that uh, that you might have learned, you know, walking around the Beaver Pond about stormwater and why stormwater is now such an issue for downtown development. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't quite know where to start with this one. Um, as it now stands, what we're facing is the reality of these new regulations coming through, whether they pass on Monday or whether they they start at the end of June. Um, there's going to be new requirements for um, all new development, including downtown redevelopment. And, and, and just to hop in for one second, so we, we make sure we introduce this right. I know a lot of uh, residents have heard about uh, the Jordan Lake rules. This is something different. This is the fact that this what's been referred to as a donut hole area between downtown and a portion of South Durham has lacked any stormwater regulations in the way that North Durham or the area, you know, other areas have. Correct. That's correct. And, of course, one of the areas this has really uh, had an impact on has been downtown, and a lot of downtown stakeholders have spoken out about this fact that, you know, you're reusing existing impervious surfaces, you're rebuilding in places where um, you already have, you know, runoff has been mitigated or just dealt with or ignored for a long time. 
um, and you're trying to add density back into the core rather than sprawling out. Um, what, what's the what? What is it that you think that that uh, makes downtown uh, uh, need a different approach to stormwater than what's being proposed? Uh, well, if you think about a downtown parking lot that's already completely paved, um, building a 10-story building on top of that would add jobs, would add residents, would increase density. If the same type of development would happen on a greenfield, that would have a whole new um, set of stormwater issues that would come from it. So from this, this smart growth perspective, downtown redevelopment doesn't add to the problem at all, but yet it's still being asked to... Um, contribute to this stormwater runoff quality issue that the city is experiencing. Now, I guess one of the questions that, that came up during the city council meeting the other night is that um, other municipalities in the area like Raleigh and Cary mm-hmm. uh, adopted these rules back in the, the early 2000s. And, you know, we've seen, uh, certainly in downtown Raleigh, we've seen uh, more in the way of dense development. And you know, we've, 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 it hasn't uh, shut down the, the engines of development over there. Uh, do you think that Durham's a different case in terms of the downtown Durham market or um, how have uh, uh, developers dealt with this issue over there? In downtown Durham? Or, no, uh, folks in, in Raleigh and Cary. I, I can't really speak to how mm-hmm. it's been treated in Raleigh and Cary. Um, but where we're coming from is that all these decisions that the city makes about um, development regulations in, in, in a bunch of different fields, inc- including stormwater, add up to something. And it will eventually direct growth in certain places. And um, we feel that when these major pieces of, of regulations move through the city, that downtown should, should really, and you know, the dense areas around downtown as well, should be considered slightly differently um, in the bigger picture. I, I wanted to ask Melissa, and, and maybe Bill will be able to answer this later too when we bring our other guest uh, up to the microphone. Um, I'm going to leave aside for the moment how... Durham managed to get to the point where it is, where it has no stormwater uh, <laughs> rules for downtown development. There's just, a story there somewhere. I'm, I'm just going to chalk that up to, well, that's Durham. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, last week when Kathy was on the show, and I, and I know she mentioned this um, during during her uh, uh, her talk before the, before the walk the other day, that all of downtown Durham's stormwater runs off into one place that feeds into the, into the Ellerby, Ellerby Creek, I guess uh, maybe the Promill branch of, uh, of, of Ellerby Creek, and that it would be possible to mitigate so much of what we do by working on this one site uh, off of off of Trinity Road, and is that something that DDI is that an idea that DDI can get behind? Is there a way to incorporate that solution into the you know to the problems that that we're facing right now? Uh, yes, absolutely. It was it was mentioned in the last uh, city council meeting where this came up for public hearing. I believe Mike Woodard brought it up. This idea of a land bank or some sort of designated fund whereby um, each new downtown development would contribute um, some, some fee or something into, um, into a, a fund that would go towards these more targeted remediations and mitigations. And as far as we're concerned, it's, it's, it solves, solves multiple community problems. And downtown is contributing to stormwater runoff quality in a positive way, but it can be done, you know, in Ellerby Creek, or can be done, and I know Kathy also mentioned the area behind the Duke Dighton Fitness Center, areas that would have a real strategic value mm-hmm. as opposed to these, you know, 
pretty paltry on-site mitigations um, yeah. on the downtown parcels. And and that is one of the solutions, as you, as you mentioned, Melissa, that has been brought up is this idea of the land banking. I know, in fact, one of the complaints that I've heard from others in the development industry has been that uh, with the way that South Durham has developed, there's not the opportunity to go out there like you can around Lake Mickey and buy up uh, you know, a large parcel or take an option out on it and then resell it off to developers piece by piece to make up for their their buy about their uh, their uh, uh, buy downs. But on the flip side, you've got the Duke Diet and Fitness Center that Duke can't sell to anybody. The city doesn't have money to buy. Yeah, it really does seem like a like an opportunity to to take that on. Uh, and I know that I, I guess one of the things that's been concerning to me has been that it sounds like at this phase there really isn't even clarity on just how the buy-downs would work or what options would be there or even whether, uh, as Matt Saldana uh, implied in the Indy article yesterday, whether there would be some requirement for limited uh, on-site mitigation versus doing, doing off-site. And I, and I guess one of DDI's arguments has been let's, let's hold the line and wait a little longer, right? Um, yes, once again, um, we think that there's an opportunity here to, to think through these details um, to an extent that hasn't been done yet. And we believe that for that to happen, there has to be a clear directive from council, from the city manager, um, to staff to really explore these solutions in a meaningful way. Um, whether that hap you know, whether the ordinance gets passed on Monday or whether, you know, um, it gets passed later on, um, we think that it's really important to take the opportunity and, ex and explore these options. Now, there were some, uh, some media reports that suggested uh, the city was facing an April 1st deadline for having some of these in place and and you guys are saying that that your reading of what the state is telling Durham to do that there's actually a July 1st deadline either way I mean it buys an extra 90 days but it's still not um, a huge amount of time to come up with a solution do you do you think that um, that that 90 days is amenable you know to, to working a solution out for this um, I don't know the answer to that I think that some additional time would help but um, I don't know what it would take, you know, the mechanisms that need to be put in place, um, what kind of work that would, would entail. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, have you all done any financial analysis with the developers on what impact it would have as written downtown in terms of doing any of the on-site mitigations or anything? I mean, if people, I know uh, Tucker Bartlett from Scientific Properties spoke at the meeting, um, and I, I, I'm even curious which water basin Golden Belt falls in, but that's another story. Uh, but in any case, have, have y'all worked on proformers with anyone and actually seen what the, the impact of this would be? In very general ways. I mean, yeah. each downtown site is going to have different site constraints. It's going to have um, different issues attached to it. Uh, what we've heard is that doing on-site is going to significantly drive up development cost. Um, th that's the general word that, that we've gotten across the board, um, which is another reason that this um, alternative payment method, this offset or this land banking um, program would would once again be a much better solution. So uh, clearly this is an item that I guess is going to come up over the in the next cycle is it you're saying March 2nd is the council meeting where this is is going to happen? It, this Monday night yes. Terrific and March 2nd already wow. <laughs> it is the month, the month flies flies quickly. Um, Bill I don't know if there's anything you want to add on the stormwater issue or if we should turn to neighborhoods and and uh, downtown development. Thanks, Kevin, uh, and uh, thanks for having us on tonight. Uh, one thing I would add about the stormwater issue in, in terms of a larger picture of how we conduct public policy in Durham, and that is, in this case, uh, unfunded state mandates come down to Durham. They're handed over to the Public Works Department to say, we need an ordinance. 
Public Works, in my opinion, puts their blinders on to find a solution. Uh, when, when Instead of taking the time to step back, which is what DDI's position is, let's take the time to step back, as we've discovered, we have the time since the fines don't kick in until July. We've got the time to step back and say, how do we make this a win-win to meet the unfunded state mandate, get clean water, uh, make it, make it a, 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 an efficient and economically sound program for downtown development and future smart growth opportunities, and uh, help solve other community goals such as land conservation. And instead of rushing something through, let's take a little time to think a little bit more globally how we can pull all of this package together. And that, that is our position right now. I want to take a second to uh, remind folks that you're listening to Shooting the Bull on WXDU. I'm Barry Reagan. I'm Kevin Davis. And oh. we are talking tonight to uh, Melissa Norton and uh, Bill Calcon from Downtown Durham, Inc. Uh, Melissa is the Government Relations Director, and Bill is the Executive Director of this organization that uh, is a nonprofit that's advocated for redevelopment and growth in uh, the uh, uh, center city. I thought it was interesting, Bill, that um, you said almost exactly the same thing that Kathy said uh, last week uh, about um, government agencies. I don't know that she singled out public works or, or, or not, um, but you get a mandate from the state to do X. And as a government, uh, you know, provider of government services, your solution is to solve X, where you could be, um, well, possibly you could be making Y worse when you solve X, or there could be ways where, where, where there's a synergistic effect between solving X and solving Y that, you know, creates a, a better solution and maybe doesn't even cost as much money. But because government, you know, works in, in that way, you end up solving X, and in this case, X is you know mitigating the stormwater issue. Right, and, and you know I I'm I'm blessed with the fact that I have great colleagues to work with, like Melissa, who can really dig into the details of stuff like stormwater, which allows me the opportunity to step back and say, Hey, wait a minute, let's think a little bit bigger picture here. And I go back to you know downtown Durham Inc. started back in '94. And, and, you know, one of the first projects I was involved with was the was the ballpark and this plays with the theater, too. And with Downtown Durham Inc., it's never about the ballpark. It's never about the theater. It's about what that brings around in the bigger picture to us. How does that drive future investment? How does it allow us to recruit new companies? How does it make for a more exciting community with a with a much more exciting uh, image and feeling about itself? Uh, and I'm, you know, it's hopeful that in Durham City Government, Durham County Government, there are people who think like that, and those are the people that hopefully will rise to the top and be looked to, to to make sure that government doesn't put the blinders on to solve issues. That they they look at the bigger picture of how we can use this as an opportunity to really further community goals. So that's a great segue, Bill, since you're talking about furthering community goals to one of the questions we wanted to, to pose to you tonight, which is uh, an issue that sort of appears to have come up by accident, that apparently it never really happened, that, that the city council was, was talking about uh, or was, or was uh, diverting the funds from uh, the downtown redevelopment fund, this one cent towards the property tax, or at least it got mi misconstrued in, in the press debate. And that's a kind comment, misconstrued. <laughs> and redirecting those funds towards uh, targeted neighborhood redevelopment, such as the streetscape projects for East Durham and Fayetteville Street. Uh, I was at this uh, budget workshop that the city put on on Monday night, and there were a lot of residents saying, we love downtown, it's been successful, 
but we've got enough success, so it's time to share the wealth with neighborhoods. H how do you address that kind of, that kind of uh, uh, I wouldn't call it criticism, but that, that suggestion to leaders, especially after how much success we've had in downtown? Well, first, thanks for noting we've had success. <laughs> and, and when I say we, I want your listeners to understand uh, the we is the collective we of, of uh, the city, the county, uh, certainly downtown Durham. We take pride in our part in this and the private sector. It's a collective we, and so when your listeners hear me say we, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so how do I answer your question about are we done in downtown and we shouldn't pump any more public dollars into it because we've got success? Uh, my answer to that is downtown revitalization is a journey, and smart cities make sure their journey never ends. Your journey may change, uh, as ours has changed, but it will never end. Uh, if people uh, were to take the time to look at Chapter 7 of our revised downtown master plan, you will see a long list of over 30 projects that uh, will require public-private partnerships moving forward. When you think about the redevelopment of surface parking lots, the redevelopment of car dealerships, uh, how do we deal with railroad underpasses and connectivity in downtown, all of those things uh, will need to be in the future continuing public-private partnerships. Now, having said that, uh, I'm proud that our organization five years ago was the first one to suggest the neighborhood revitalization fund. And we did that because we know downtown cannot be an island. We know that. And given the success we had had, we have had and have had and continue to have with the downtown fund, uh, we thought the neighborhood revitalization fund should be modeled after the downtown fund, and it should be a separate fund because it warrants being a separate fund. Uh, and we still believe that strongly. Uh, and, and I think now is, you know, you've seen two very good projects spring up Andrew Driver uh, and, and, oh, in the northeast central Durham neighborhood. Uh, we need to be, keep building on that, and there needs to be kind of a pot of money to do that. Should we rob Peter to pay Paul? Of course, our position is no. We should have – we as a community need to have the political will and the capacity to do both. And, and you know, I'm, I've been a big booster of downtown. Downtown Durham's a reason I moved to Durham. I'll play the devil's advocate question, uh, though, and, and throw this out here. It is a tough economic time. We're looking at 24 to $40 million in budget cuts. Um, and we're also at a time where there's you know, the, the private funding to do development that would, that would tend to be that private half of a public-private partnership isn't, as, isn't flowing as readily as it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. You know, is, is there an argument that you think can be successful for or that you think, you know, whether, whether it's one you might agree with, one that you might see happen, uh, of actually saying, well, let's spend the money in neighborhoods for a while and then bring, bring it back to downtown when the, the private partnerships happen. From a devil's advocate perspective, what's, what's the problem with doing that? Well, my, my answer to that is that uh, I believe that if the Neighborhood Revitalization Fund and the Downtown Fund are, should be priorities. Second, that we need to keep funding those types of activities in government which grow our tax base and grow our job base. Uh, and I think that, uh, 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 you know, now is a good time uh, to start thinking about and funding to some degree a, a neighborhood revitalization fund and allow some time for some planning to go on during these tougher economic times. And so that when the times change or the opportunities come your way, much like we use the downtown fund, we've got some money to put public-private partnerships together. And, and now is the time to do that. 
An interesting thing to me, we've obviously, as you can imagine, we've been advocating strongly during the past week with council members about our position, two separate funds. One of the things that hasn't come out, which I think is very important right now, is in this fiscal year for the city, there is there is $502,000 of unallocated money in the downtown fund. In in the budget year we're planning for, 09-10, there is, I believe, 480000 unallocated. Now, downtown Durham, Inc. is working on deals, which will need some of that money. Uh, but I would argue that that's not a whole lot of money to be fighting over in these two years. Uh, it also begs to me the question to be that given the way we do deals in downtown, we'll probably use that money up or have projects that could use that money up, which then again goes back to me to say, you know, there should be efficiencies in government in programs that are no longer of great value to our community. And if a neighborhood revitalization fund is a priority, which I think it should be, uh, then I think we can find efficiencies in government of programs which no longer bring value to the taxpayer that are being funded. And that, that takes political will. That's, that's exactly. That's, that's politics. I mean, that's, that's the entire nature of, uh, of, of the political game is which projects do we need, which projects don't we need. Let me, uh, let me uh, ask you just to clarify. There is not at the current time a dedicated neighborhood revitalization fund with a dedicated commitment to allocate one cent or half a cent from you know from from the property tax base or from the sales tax revenue collected is that is that right yeah let me, yes that is correct what the city council has done to its credit for the neighborhood is like last year they took a 500,000 one time allocation out of the general fund and provided it to uh OEWD Office of Economic and Workforce Development and, and the beauty of it is it has created the two projects I mentioned earlier which is great what is not there, which we advocate for, like the downtown fund, is this recurring fund so that, you know, the first big project for us with it was American Tobacco. And it allowed us to have a fund of money when you combine it with the increased property taxes and the parking revenues, we we're able to build the public infrastructure, the parking decks to create American tobacco. And we we're able to do that by using that funding stream of the downtown fund going out a number of years. The nice thing is that's going to burn off in a couple of years here for the community. And, and all of a sudden the fund's going to get a lot richer. The downtown fund will then get richer. The same type of, of, of planning tool, i.e. a neighborhood revitalization fund that is not a one-time shot of money, but is a recurring fund that you can think bigger picture with going out, you know, we've advocated for it and we think it needs to happen. And I'll say it again, we think it needs to be separate funds. It is, it is kind of remarkable to me. I mean, the last time we had somebody from city council on, I guess we had Mike Woodard on about two months ago, and we were hearing that oh, you know, sales tax revenues were pretty much holding their own. Uh, in that intervening two months, we've heard that there's been a 26% drop, I think is a number that, that I've heard year over year from, uh, I guess, last December to uh, December 2008. So, you know, the, these, these are not academic issues anymore. There's going to be significantly less money in the pot. My suspicion is, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but if there is a million dollars unallocated funds in the downtown fund between last, you know, between the current budget and next year's budget, those better be allocated <laughs> because because somebody's going to find a use for them. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to be allowed to sit there. And and certainly that is obviously what we're advocating that you know 
back in 1999 when I recommended this to the city council and it was approved, we saw this as a dedicated fund moving forward because I'll go back to what I said when you asked me my first question. This is a journey and a journey never ends. Uh, and so uh, we believe we'll always be able to find a use for money. Uh, Diane Katati and others and, and people I really respect, they've said everything needs to be on the table right now. A every program, every issue. And I get that. I mean, I really do. What I'm more concerned about looking a little bit longer term is not $500,000 this year or four hundred next year. It is, is it, the important thing is we keep the downtown fund intact. If it has to be rated to balance the books in a year or two, so be it. I'm not going to like it, but so be it. I get it. But the fact is we need to keep the fund intact because my bigger concern is if the fund goes away, it may never come back. And... and I'm paid to look out three, five, ten years. So we've only got about 30 more seconds. I'm going to ask you two lightning round questions, Bill. First question, you and Alan Delisle had a great partnership. Everyone in the city said it. Uh, where do you go from here? What's the city looking for? Well, we I've had the opportunity to meet with the uh, firm that's uh, going to hunt down the uh, ex uh, economic development director and the deputy city manager, and we've given him... Uh, well, I've given him my two cents of what made Alan and my partnership such a good one, and we hope they'll look for those characteristics when they do their hire. And second question, we see you standing up uh, at the podium at City Council frequently, and talk of the town is you might try and flip sides of the room. Any any uh, any thoughts on that? You mulling that over? Uh, talking <laughs> about running for City Council. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it has always, first of all, I, I really love this city. It's my adopted hometown, and I love it. Two is uh, I've really enjoyed what I've been doing with the home builders and now Dur the downtown Durham, Inc. Uh, yes, at some point I want to run for city council. Will it be this year? I'll make that decision by July when I have to. <laughs> Sounds good. That's a great answer, Bill. Thank you, and, and thanks to Melissa for being our guest tonight. Uh, folks, it's been a lot of fun being with you here on Shooting a Bull again this week. We always seem to run out of time, but we'll, we'll hear you next week. I'm Kevin Davis with BullCityRising.com. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at dependableerection.blogspot.com. We'll talk to you next week, folks. Have a good one. <laughs>